Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. This summer, we're walking through the book of Romans, taking a master class from the rich and powerful book of the New Testament. Romans is one of the greatest books of the Bible. It is the essence of the gospel and provides the rich doctrine of our faith. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and God has used it to change the hearts of men and ultimately the world. In Romans, we see the impact of our sin, which reveals our deep need for God, and then the importance of living out our faith in Jesus today. Whether a lifelong student of the Bible to a first-time believer, this is a masterclass for everyone. Let's listen in. You guys didn't know you were going to get a Taylor Swift light show this morning, did you? It's all right. Shake it off. Um, Have you ever had to make something right um, with somebody? Maybe you messed up in some way. Maybe you said something wrong. You did something wrong, and you had to make something right. Um, There was, uh, this has only happened to me once in my life. Um, it's, It's a joke. Um, but there was a time in high school where I messed up in a big way and had to make things right. I was hanging out with my friends. Um, I had, I'm sure, recently turned 16. Um, so we're driving in our cars and trucks, and um, we're having a good time. And I should probably mention Fast and the Furious had recently come out. And so me and my friend pull up to a light together, a red light. It starts to rev his engine. Well, now this is a test of my manhood. So I start to rev my engine. He is in this little um, white sports car. I don't know what it was. It has this giant spoiler. It looks like it is straight out of Fast and the Furious. I am in my 1997 um, Pacific Green Ford F-150 with dents all over the side. And so I had a real good chance. And so I'm revving the engine. He's revving the engine. The light turns green and we just take off. And we're, and listen, I should mention, we're, this is not like a country 
out in the country. Hi, we're in the middle of the city. This was a terrible idea on so, for so many reasons. And we take off and we are going and obviously adrenaline is high and pumping and we, can, you know, we come to like a curve so we kind of slow down. He destroyed me, obviously. I had no chance because I am in a Pacific green Ford F-150 in 1997. Um, and, and we get to the kind of end and I'm like, you know, adrenaline's pumping, all that stuff, and I hear my phone ring. And I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments, but I knew immediately who it was. And in my mind, I went, oh, that's my mom, and she knows. And so sure enough, I grabbed my old Nokia brick phone with snake on it, it's all I had, and it's mom. She's calling. So I answer the phone. She is mad on the other. She's going, what are you doing? She had been driving down the other side of the road at the exact time that we were doing this and had seen everything. Again, she knew it was me because I am in my 1997 Pacific Green Ford F-150 truck with dents all over the side. And sure enough, you can imagine, I had to make things right with my parents after that. I had to build trust back. I walked inside, dropped my keys. I knew it was over for a while. I'm sure I didn't drive for a lot of months. And when I did, it was probably just to run errands for my parents. Um, I had to make things right. Today we're in Romans 3, and in Romans 3, um, Paul is really getting to the heart of one question. How can you be right with God? How can you be right with God? Because we're all messed up, we're all sinners, we're all broken, so how can we be right with God? And he's going to go through and he's going to dissect all these different things that people thought and he's going to get to the point of here is how you are right with God. If you, we're in this series, Masterclass Romans. It's a letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. He's never been there um, before. So in this, in, normally in letters that Paul writes, it's, it's for a specific reason. It's, you know, who has led you astray or they're under intense persecution or he's answering a question. This isn't the case for Romans. Paul just saw a need, probably because he'd never been there, to write basal, basic gospel doctrine and theology. And that's what Romans is. And so if, you, if you've missed the last couple of weeks that Nick has preached, we chapter one, we see how the wicked are condemned for their sin, right? Um, and then in chapter two, it's like, hey, hold up, um, you who judge other people, you who are self-righteous, you who are religious and you're banking on that for your salvation, hey, you are also condemned. And, and then just to make sure we're going to get to Romans three and Paul's not done yet. He's like, hey, just in case you think you're not in one of those groups, the whole world is guilty. He's like the opposite of Oprah. He's like, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're bad, you're awful. He's just making sure everyone knows the whole world is condemned. He's going to answer a couple questions, right, that he knows um, is coming to him. So one of those is, what advantage is there to being a Jew then, right? If, if all the world is guilty, if Jesus is the only way, then what is the whole point of being one of the chosen people? And then the other one is, what's the point of the law? Why did we have to follow it? Why do we even need it? Do we still need it? And all of this is going to answer the one question, how can you be right with God. Let me pray for us, and we're going to hop into scripture. God, we just pray that today you would just open up your word to us. Um, you would send your spirit and illuminate us so that we could fully understand um, what your scripture is saying today in Romans 3. And God, I, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, so that today we are changed by your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Okay, today we're walking through every verse in Romans 3, so we're going to start with verse 1, so let's hop in there. What advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. And so what advantage was there to be the Jew? Well, there was one. It was what, You had the Ten Commandments. You had the Word of God. You um, had the law, which does give you insight into who God is. You had prophecies about Jesus coming. So there was this advantage to being a Jew. But there was lots of Jews who had denied Jesus when he was here on earth. And so Paul's going to make the point that it wasn't enough. Yes, there is an advantage, but it wasn't enough to save you. And he's going to come back to that um, soon. But it got me thinking, like, what advantages did you have? Like, maybe you grew up with the Word of God. Um, maybe you had Christian parents or grew up in the South, and there's a church on every corner, which are all, all these things are good things, but they're not enough to save us. And then I was like, well, what advantage do my kids have? Because I want to give my kid every... Cu- possible advantage. So I hope that he has godly parents who are pointing him towards Jesus all the time, that they're, you know, in church every Sunday, that they're watching VeggieTales and Bible Man at home. That's what we like to do. I'm sending them to Connect Camp this summer. They can spend a week just learning about Jesus and who he is and how he loves them. I want them to have every advantage, but none of that is enough to save them. Only Jesus can change a heart mind. Paul's going to come back to this question and fully answer in verse 10, but before he does that, we're going to spend the next six verses talking about God's wrath, so buckle up. Uh, Verse 3, what if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness, more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using the human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. I love this because Paul's just having an argument with himself here, which is awesome. And, and he's doing three things in, in that passage. Number one, he's answering the question, well, what if some are unfaithful? Does that nullify God's faithfulness? And, and we know that when Jesus was here, there was a lot of Jews that did not believe um, in Jesus. And so he's going to say, no, it doesn't nullify. That didn't change God's faithfulness. It didn't change Jesus's faithfulness to die for our sins, right? Because some people didn't believe. In fact, there was many unbelieving people and Jews watching Jesus die on the cross for their sins. It's a good reminder that our actions don't control God, right? That, that God's not changing his plans on a whim because of our mess-ups, because of our failures, because of anything that we do. The second question and line of thinking that Paul's going to debunk is this. If my unrighteousness will demonstrate God's righteousness, how can God judge me? So an example of this would be Judas. Um, Judas, you guys, you may know, is a disciple who betrayed Jesus. So Judas might say something like this uh, if he could. God, I know I betrayed Jesus, but you used it for good. In fact, if I hadn't done that, Jesus wouldn't have died on the cross at all. What I did fulfilled the scriptures. You can't judge me for that. 
And a response to that might look like, God used your wickedness, but it was still your wickedness. There was no good, there was no pure motive in your heart. You don't get credit because God can take bad things and make them good. So that's what he's talking about right there. And then the third thing um, that he is going to emphatically answer is this question, which is basically, if we sin more, God gives more grace and gets more glory, um, so shouldn't we sin more? And he's going to say, certainly not. And then he's going to say, their condemnation is just. Why? Because clearly your heart's not in the right place. Clearly your heart is not in the right place. If If you're looking for an excuse to sin, like, oh, well, God has to forgive me. He has to. He has to have the grace. It's what the Bible says, so now I can do whatever I want. Well, no, clearly your heart is not in the right place following after you. Clearly it has not been changed. Let's keep going. Verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. Here's your next point. Your heritage and upbringing cannot make you right with God. Your heritage and your upbringing cannot make you right with God. So it's interesting because in verse 1 and 2, Paul's like, yeah, there's an advantage. You have the word of God. And then in verse 9, he's going to say, all right, so let's conclude this. Do, do you have any advantage? No, <laughs> you don't have any advantage. And his point is this, is that, okay, maybe there's an advantage to have the word of God, but not, you don't have an advantage in the way you think. The Jews didn't have an advantage in the way that they wanted because what they wanted was an advantage that looks like this. I was born a Jew, so I'm right with God. Or I am circumcised, so I am right with God. My upbringing and my works should save me and make me right with God. And Paul's saying, no, none of that is enough. Let's keep moving. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. And then he's going to go on, and he's going to quote the Psalms to show everyone um, that this isn't anything new, that this is in the Bible that you grew up with. So verse 11, there is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Here's your next point, being good cannot make you right with God. Being good cannot make you right with God. Why? Because you're not good. And Paul's going to go, no, all are sinners, and no one can save themselves. We have a lie in our culture that says, hey, every, you're okay as long as you're a good person, right? Hey, are, do you think you'll be in heaven one day? Yeah, well, I'm a good person. So I think that will do, and the truth is, there is no one good. And, and if it matters to you what the Bible says, and I hope that it does, it, when God see without, before Jesus, without Jesus, this is what he sees, that there's no one who seeks me. There's no one who fears me. There's no one who understands. All have turned away. Tongues filled with deceit, cursing, bitterness. They're filled with misery. There's no fear of God. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised. It doesn't matter if you grew up with Christian parents or what your church attendance is. You're not good enough. None of us are good enough. And we like to do this thing where we look at someone else, though, and compare and go, oh, I'm a good person because look at that group. Well, I'm a good person because look at what they're doing. I'm a good person because, you know, fill in the blank with whatever 
that is, but it doesn't take long. You can just go through the Ten Commandments and very quickly figure out how messed up you are. Like, okay, um, show of hands, and I won't do this for all of them, but we'll do it for the first one. Anyone in here ever told a lie? Okay, it's looking like most of the room. If you didn't raise your hand, well, you just did, so <laughs> you got that one. Um, okay, so there, you're, we're already guilty. You know, have you, uh, we're not going to do show of hands, but have you ever stolen something? Well, many of you maybe have at some point in your life. Okay, now you're a lying thief. Um, have you ever used God's name in vain? Um, have you ever committed adultery? Hopefully not, but then Jesus comes and said, if you've ever lusted, uh, then in your heart you have. Uh, so now you're a lying, adulterous thief. Um, have you ever murdered someone? Well, you know, hopefully not, but again, Jesus came and said, if there's anger in your heart towards someone, then it's the same thing. Have you ever made anything in your life more important than God? Okay, now we're into idolatry. Um, have you ever not kept the Sabbath? I'm sure <laughs> we haven't done that. Um, have you ever coveted uh, over something or someone? Have you ever not honored your father and mother? I told you a story already. That was the one time that I didn't do it. It doesn't take long, right? It doesn't take long just to go through the Ten Commandments and go, oh yeah, yeah, this is the standard and we're guilty of all of it. Doesn't really take long to get through. It's going to be a really chipper message today. Verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Here's your next point. Following the law cannot make you right with God. Following the law cannot make you right with God. So what Paul's doing here is he's answering the next question. Aren't I righteous if I follow the law, and he's saying no one's going to be declared righteous in God's sight because of that. And then he's going to go ahead and answer the question, well then what's the point of the law? And we see it in verse 20. Through the law, we become conscious of our sin. You see, the law becomes our standard, so we know where we measure up. Imagine if you were taking a test for the first time and you've never taken a test. You don't know that A is good, you don't know that D is bad, or that B is, like, well, you don't know what any of that means. So someone gives you a grade and you're like, okay, I have no idea if that's good or bad. I don't know what the standard is. God has given us a standard so we know how we, where we're at. It's like an MRI machine. The, the law is like an MRI machine. It shows us what's wrong with us, but it can do nothing to save us or heal us. I had shoulder surgery like a year and a half ago. That all started with an MRI. That said, yeah, you've got a torn rotator cuff. I was like, oh, good. Are we done now? Like, is, am I good? Did you just, like put some lasers in there or something? Like, nope. No, you've got to have surgery and months and months of rehab. It, the, the law can only reveal our sinfulness, but it can't heal it. The law can only reveal our sinfulness, but it can't heal us. So this is the bad news, but the bad news is important because without the bad news, we cannot fully acknowledge how good the good news is. Without the bad news, we cannot fully acknowledge how good the good news is. And so Paul, in these first three chapters, is, has made it more than clear that we are guilty, that we are messed up, that we need a Savior. And then right here in verse 21, we have one of the greatest conjunctions in the Bible. It says, but now, 
Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testifies. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the grade system isn't A, B, C, D. It's pass or fail. Every single one of us got an F but Jesus. This is where it gets a lot more fun. Verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So I want to I point out four words to you in, in that last verse that we're going to define and just walk through real quick. Number one, justified. It says, and all are justified. This means to be declared righteous. Declared righteous. It's a legal declaration of your status before God. And this happens all at once. It's a legal term that means God declares me righteous even though my heart still struggles with sin. So now if you are a believer, God looks at you and says, oh, all that sin, I don't see it. I just see Jesus' blood. You've been declared righteous righteous. Martin Luther said it this way, I'm simultaneously righteous and a sinner. Meaning that, yeah, we're all still broken, we all still struggle with sin, but God doesn't see that. He sees a saint. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. That's the trade that we made. Number two is grace. Free gift. Which means we didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, we didn't work for it. It says, and all are justified freely by his grace. The third word is this, redeemed. It means to buy something back. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God made this world perfect. It was, it, and then brokenness came in. And so what, G, what God did is he sent Jesus to buy us back. You've been bought back by the God of this universe. And then number four, atonement. God presented Christ Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. It means God's wrath has been satisfied. See, what would happen in the Old Testament days is when you, bro- when you, when you broke the law, which we know everyone did, uh, you'd have to make a sacrifice to atone for those sins. They'd bring uh, a lamb, they'd lay it down and kill it, and, and that blood is supposed to cover their sins. And when Jesus came to earth, he lived this perfect, sinless life. He became that spotless lamb. He laid down his life for us, and he didn't get killed. He was not powerless. He laid down like a barn animal and let his blood be shed for us. This Easter, I had this really sweet moment with my boys. I've got, I've got two kids, Beckett and Brady. They're seven and four, and they had been at church all morning, and, and we were finishing up, um, and we're walking out. And I said, all right, boys, tell me, what did you learn uh, today? And, and my four-year-old and um, his sweet little four-year-old mind is trying to understand what he even, you know, learned and saw that day, and he said, Daddy, Jesus was trapped. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if he meant like on the cross, I don't know if he meant in the tomb, like, but in his mind, his, he was worried. Jesus was trapped. Uh, and before I could even kind of get down on his level and ask him like, all right, well, like what, you know, what do you mean? Let me explain these things. My seven-year-old jumps in and he goes, no, Brady, he wasn't trapped. It was love that kept Jesus on the cross. Whew. 
man, I was like, my seven-year-old, like, I didn't understand that when I was seven, and he got it, and he preached it to his little brother, and he preached it to me, and it's true. Man, God was not powerless. Jesus made a conscious choice over and over and over and over again to stay on that cross. Man, getting whipped, I'm going to stay. Getting crown of thorns, I'm going to stay. Getting the sword, getting the nails, I'm going to stay. I needed all that because of the love that he has for us. We are justified by grace through faith because of Jesus. Verse 26. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? Is it excluded because of, because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. So this chapter is ending with Paul giving us a few closing thoughts. Can anyone boast? No. A person is justified by faith in what Jesus did, not in what you do. Is God the God of Jews only? No, but of everyone. Do we nullify the law? No, rather we uphold the law. And why is this? Because we're free in Christ now, so why do we even need the law? Well, the law shows us we need to be saved. It shows us who God is because God has not changed. God is the same God that he has always been, meaning the things that he um, said will give you life in the Old Testament are still things that give us life now. Not that we're ever going to be perfect, but over time being sanctified in the Spirit to look more and more like Jesus. And so the big question from this whole chapter is how can you be right with God? And the answer is Jesus and Jesus alone. So here's in the next um, question that, that's in your notes today, and this is just for you. Have you trusted Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? There's a little place to circle yes or no. You don't, you're not turning this in. This is just for you. Have you trusted Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? Or, or has there been something else you thought, hey, because my parents are Christian, I'm a Christian. Because I grew up here, I'm a Christian. Because I grew up in church, I'm a Christian. When the truth is, it has nothing to do with you or your works or how good you are, but is Christ and Christ alone. Romans 3.23 is one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, and we see it here, obviously, in this chapter today, and it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This, is, this verse is the beginning of the Romans road, which, if you don't know what the Romans road is, it's a collection of, like, five verses that basically walks you through the gospel, and there's no telling how many countless people have been saved by being walked through the Roman roads, and the foundation verse of this is Romans 3.23, so we're going to walk through this together um, today, the Romans road, and so here's what I would encourage you with. If you um, circled no, then I hope you will just listen and take this in and see what Christ did for you, and if you circled yes um, on that question, then I hope that you will Take this in as well, see what Christ did for you, but then also I pray that you will take this, take a picture of it, you'll share it with somebody else. 
um, because there are others who need this hope. So here's the Romans road. Number one, the problem of sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is obviously foundational because you have to know you are a sinner before you know you need to be saved. Number two, the wages of sin is death. So it's the wages of sin, then Romans 6.23a, for the wages of sin is death, meaning that because we are sinners, because we have betrayed the God of this universe in so many different ways, what we deserve for that is death, eternal separation from God. And then here's where it gets good. Number three, the love of God. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his, lo- his love for us in this, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is such a beautiful verse because it reminds us that we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It doesn't say, hey, Jesus will love you when you get your stuff together. Jesus will love you when you go to church enough. Jesus will love you when you check all these boxes and start living the right way. When you get this sin out of your life, then Jesus will love you. No, it doesn't say that. While you were sinners, Christ died for you. At your worst is when Christ died for us. Number four, the free gift of salvation. Romans 6, 23b, this is the second half of number two. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, that grace, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then number five, accepting the free gift. Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So again, you don't have to earn it. It's accepting it. That Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's it. That's the gospel doctrine that we are learning in Romans 3, that we are messed up, that we deserve death, that Jesus loves us, And through grace, through that free gift, we get salvation. We just have to accept it. Let's pray. God, you are so good. We are so grateful, God, for who you are. God, I pray right now for every single person in this room. I pray, God, that you would put on our hearts to follow after you. God, I pray, God, that you would. If there's someone in this room that doesn't know you, God, and is hearing the gospel and and you're speaking to their hearts, God, I pray you bring salvation in this place. For the rest of us, God, I I hope you remind us, God, of your goodness, how much you love us, God, when we don't even feel like you love us, God, we know that you do, God, and we are so thankful for that. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with friends and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.